0: Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to the 20th episode of Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to introduce my guest, Shawanda Poo. Sh- Shawanda is from Miami, Florida, and she is the author of Crimson Footprints and Crimson Footprints 2, which is published by Delphine Publications. Shawanda has a master's in writing from Nova Southeastern University. Fueled from a young age, her passion for crossing societal boundaries like race, class, and culture is the inspiration for both her cluttered bookshelf and her writing. When Shawanda is not busy obsessing over a fiction, she can th- be found traveling or nursing her social networking addiction. Welcome, Shawanda, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm so pleased that you could join me this evening.
1: Hi Bernadette, thanks for having me.
0: Well, let's talk first about your writing journey and maybe you could talk about um your the the master's program that you um entered and and how it helped you in becoming a romance writer.
1: Sure. Um unlike a lot of writers, a lot of writers um, that you hear from tend to say, you know, oh, I always wanted to be a writer. It's a thing that I've done consistently. I um Forged a bit of a different path And I originally went to school I have my undergrad degree in political science I always had this thing about being a lawyer And that was really the path that I started out on And it was actually while I was in law school That I realized that I didn't really want to be a lawyer anymore And I didn't know if it was so much that I ever wanted to be one Or if it was that other people wanted me to be one So... Armed with that, I got up and I left school one day and then I had this um, epiphany and I realized that writing was always this constant part of me, but it it was something identified as more a personal part of me. It was something that I did privately. And I made a decision to invest in that. And from there, I went and I enrolled at NOVA. I enrolled in their master's program. It, It was writing, but it wasn't strictly like a Master of Fine Arts where you do creative writing. It was all sorts of writing. So, you know, I picked up um, journalism skills and creative writing and that kind of thing. And while I was there, I was really able to kind of hone in on that thing that was me, and it turned out to be
0: romance.
1: And that's how I went it. Well, I, I have to
0: here. say, you are my personal hero because I am also a lawyer, and I certainly <laughs> suffered. From, from, I remember first year of law school, I was like, what am I doing here? And I yeah. think had I not signed so many um, student loans and kind of, you know, mortgaged my future, there were many yeah. times when I would have gotten up and left. And actually somebody in my law school class kind of did the same thing. They just left mid- mid-year mid and realized it wasn't for them. But, yeah, that was um, me. You know, <laughs> Twenty years later, I'm still a lawyer, and you are actually um, – you know, following your path, which is, is a very, very brave thing to do. So, um, it, like I you said, know, and it wasn't I, you're really living my popular. fantasy life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really popular at the time, but it's being received um, a great deal better now than it was back then when I did it.
0: Yeah. Well, it's just, you know what? It's too much money and too much time to to there's so many lawyers that I know who it's really just not their passion, but you kind of you get in a groove and you go down a path and it's very right. very right. like you said it ha- you have to be very brave to right. to kind of step out of that groove. So right. um so you started so so when you were in doing your master's program, romance kind of spoke to you. Now had you always been a romance reader?
1: I actually, I read a bit of everything. Now, I began reading romance at an early age. I'd say middle school was when I really picked up the romance, and I would do, like, the the, the Harlequin imprints, the Harlequin blaze, that kind of thing. And it wasn't necessarily that I identified with one writer. It's just that um, I, I read all sorts of genres, but the common denominator was always that there was some sort of romantic element and the story didn't necessarily have to be a romance per se, but I needed some sort of romance, and I realized that was that consistent thing that always spoke to me, even if I did read other things, too. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Well, I think that's true for a lot of people. I know um, I don't read romance all the time, and, and I tend not to read really straight Harlequin romance that much. Um, right. But in my writing life, that's what drew me in. So um, right, that's kind of right. how I went down. And I also think for for beginner writers, you know, there is such a community out there. Of you know, there's Romance Writers of America. There's a lot of chapters, okay. and and so sometimes and there's a lot of imprints, as you said, that are devoted to romance. And sometimes that right. you know, following that path towards publication is sometimes a little bit easier. And I and I also think, like you said, romance is fun, and that's it, and so many different genres. You know, it's boring without a romance, even, you know, right, like you said, right, uh, right. even like sometimes mysteries have a romantic element in there somewhere. Um, so maybe you could tell us about your road to publication and, and when when you you finished your first book.
1: Sure. Um, my first book, Crimson Footprints, was actually part of my thesis in my master's program. A, um, I submitted a condensed version of it. It was about 50 pages for my thesis. And um, after that was approved and it went through this, Rigorous you know defense and that kind of thing, I expanded it and brought it up you know to par for it to be a full fledged novel while I was still in my grad program. I began working on getting an agent and that kind of thing, so I had the agent before I graduated, and the agent was out there submitting, 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 and we were getting turned down left and right, and a lot of the responses we were getting was along the lines of, this is really great, but it's not exactly the sort of romance that's doing really well right now. Um, your main character, she's you know kind of impoverished, she has difficult circumstances. That's not really what's popular right now. If you change this, if you change that, I got that sort of thing. And that was the sort of thing I received from the major houses. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to make those sort of changes because they were at the heart of the story. So um, I just kind of shucked that to the side, and I published the first book on my own. I was self-published for about two months before I ran into the individual that runs Delphine Publications. I actually spoke to her on a radio show that the two of us were on together. And um, afterwards, you know, she wanted to see the book, so, you know, we discussed it a little more. I sent the book her way, and she wanted to publish it, so... That's how the first book came out, and of course I have a um, multi-book contract with her, so that, that's where the second one followed, and the third one is um, scheduled for release early next year.
0: And so do you see it as being a trilogy, or do you think you might be you might have other books in the series?
1: Oh, that one's done at the three. I, I kind of had to be coaxed into um, even doing the third one, because um, when I originally had the idea, it was first it was just going to be the one, but even as I got towards the end of the one, I knew that there there needed to be a second one. So I, towards the end of the first book, I began making plans for the second one, but it was my intention to only do two books. And even as I was finishing up the second book, people were already clamoring for the third one. So I started exploring, you know, what... Um, elements of the story I could use for the third one but after this last one I will definitely be done with that one I've actually started working on a second series, that one's seven books um, and they're all seven books are in like various stages um, first draft done second draft, that sort of thing so I'm definitely ready to move from the Crimson Footprints series to another series really soon Right, right,
0: well you know what, I, it's It's so funny that you say that because I just finished my Devlin Legacy series, which is a paranormal uh, romance series uh, centered on a family of Irish witches. Oh
1: wow! You know,
0: and each book, you know, again, I started the first one that was supposed to be a standalone. But And then I tried to turn to something else, but the, the characters kept speaking to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, okay, yeah. I'll do a second book. Okay, I'll do a third book. And I just right. finished the fourth book. That's coming out in September. But that really is it for me because, yeah. I you know, <laughs> I'm afraid that I'm getting too comfortable. You know, and and you want to stretch and do something new. So I, I love that series, but I, I like I said, I think I wanted to, to – I didn't want to also just do paranormal. I needed to get out of right. the paranormal world. So now I'm doing right. I'm working on a straight women's fiction but it's very it's going very slow and I think that's because once you create that world for the first book in a series, it's quicker and easier because a lot of exactly. the work has been done. You know, you know exactly. that world, you know these characters. And so when you're starting off with something new and you're exploring new characters, it it just takes longer, you know. So I can see it's very seductive. A series is very, very seductive, but um right. sometimes you have to you know you have to you you have, have to, to just close let the door let on this go records. yeah exactly exactly now what how would you describe your genre and and is your the new book that you're working on or the new series that you're working on is that in the same genre as crimson footprints
1: right they're um they're both interracial romance um the new the new series will actually be my first foray into new adult young adult. The characters are younger. They start out in high school and they go to college during the course of the series with um Crimson Footprints. I always either call it interracial romance or literary romance and that sort of thing. Um that one kind of came to me that, that 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 label was kind of given to me. Um, because some people tend to think of it as a a little bit more polished and highbrow and that kind of thing but i I think that the Crimson Footprint series is really approachable and universal and that kind of thing. but the reason it tends to get labels like that is because it 's not just a romance; it deals with you know issues of identity and um family unity and just It has a whole array of emotions that come out and just a lot of different things are going on. And it shows not just the course of love, but how love can affect other people around the central characters. So I, I delve into that quite a bit. So you learn a lot about the hero's family and the heroine's family and how those two dynamics really crash during their time together.
0: Right. So it's like a class, clash of cultures almost.
1: It, that's exactly what it is And that's that's actually the thing That you'll find is consistent in my work It's always that clash of cultures um, It's portrayed differently And there are different priorities For characters and different wants and needs But the culture is always That that central drive Behind what it is they're doing Culture, class, religion These really these These boundaries that people tend to Erect in society I like to tear those down and kind of mix people up and imagine what if and forge something in that fashion.
0: Right, and it gives you a lot of material to explore different cultures and, and and the differences. So in the Crimson Tides, you know, who is your who is your heroine, who is your hero?
1: Right, um, my heroine is Dina Hammond. She's this um, biracial woman. She's black and she's white. She's an architect, really just straight-laced, hardworking, um just pull herself up by her bootstrap sort of person. She came from this um, impoverished background. She went to MIT, that kind of thing. She's actually raised by her grandparents after her um, white mother killed her black father. So she's being raised by her father's family, who has... Um, a bit of annoyance, ambivalence towards her, that sort of thing, even sometimes yeah. outright hostility because of her connection with her mother and the constant reminder that, you know, her mother is the one that killed this beloved family member. So she grows up with that, and eventually she comes to meet this really free-spirited, bohemian artist type of guy, and he's, he's Japanese-American. So they're total opposites. And they get together, they meet in the in the opening chapter, because he's driving this really expensive car in the wrong part of Miami, and he's about to get carjacked, and she intervenes, because the person that's about to carjack him is her brother. So she's able to intervene and save him, and then they find out they have this odd kind of connection, because she actually works for his father. So that's like the the opening of the book. And from there, they begin this romance that they're not really candid with people about because it's just too much of a hassle to involve other people and what's happening between them. so they have this friendship and then this romance and then the tension of the two of them having to eventually tell everyone what they are to each other. So that's how Mm -hmm. the
0: story progresses. Wow, it sounds like it sounds like a really great story and it sounds like you had a whole book just in the first chapter. <laughs> so it definitely sounds Right, and that's um, really just the launch.
1: So, you know, she's dealing with you know, her own emotions and her development and getting to be the woman that she needs to be and you know, he's over there totally not what you would expect and they, they get together and I I will say this that a lot of the responses I get from readers, virtually all of them, the women are always completely in love with him. He's just um, the, the, the hero in this book, Takumi Tanaka. There, I don't, I don't know necessarily what it is, what central thing it is that they seem to be in love with about him, but it's like universal. And you know, I, I get a lot of responses, just oh, if she doesn't want him, I'd be happy to, you know, date <laughs> him, that kind of thing. So, and they always want to and know, is it's based on some guy <laughs> that I know or whatever?
0: Wow. Now, did you have to do any kind of research in terms of of, of researching his his culture?
1: Oh, um, I'm glad you asked me that. Actually, I did quite a bit of research, and people always ask me if I researched his culture, and I I did. I looked into it pretty extensively. I found that there actually wasn't a lot out there about Japanese American culture. People think that you can research Japanese culture and you'll understand Japanese culture, but they're very divergent um, because of the amount of time that Japanese Americans have been here, and um, they're just they two totally different things. It's it's like assuming you can you know research Africa and understand African American culture. So, um when I began researching Japanese American culture I found a, this single book and um it was written by Gil Asakawa and I read through the book cover to cover and it had a lot of great information in it but it didn't have everything I needed. So I went on Facebook and this was, you know, quite a few years ago. Facebook was still a lot newer then. I went on Facebook and I found him and I said, Hey, you know, I'm I'm in college, I'm writing this thesis, my character's Japanese American I'm trying to find things. I'm not finding everything. Can you help me? And I basically just peppered him with questions. And he was really, really awesome about, you know, just getting back with me and just really making me understand the culture as much as I could. So there was that. So I had my own personal expert at my disposal eventually because of my, you know, persistence or whatever. But in addition to the Japanese-American culture, I also researched African-American culture. And that always kind of, you know, takes people by surprise because I'm African-American, so they would assume that I wouldn't need to research it. But um, it's good to verify certain things and get a better understanding of why people do things because we do things and we don't always know why this is something that we do or or not do. So Mm -hmm. um, I I did a lot of looking into just the different things that African-Americans eat and Different traditions in different parts of the country, and really just learning about both cultures and not making any assumptions before I jumped in and did my writing. And I'm I'm just mm-hmm. a stickler for research anyway, so you'll find that see, I see. So you didn't totally day.
0: overcome your law school background. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly, you must have a little exactly. bit of law nerd left in you.
0: You caught that, <laughs> did you? <laughs> Well, I, and I've also talked about it on the show a lot about, you know, the balance between research and just writing. And yeah. I actually – people always say, well, you're a lawyer. You must do a lot of research for your books. And I'm like, no, because that's my day <laughs> job. And so my research – and especially because I, I set all, a lot of my books in Ireland. And I think the reason why I did that was because, you know, I'm I have Irish-American. My mother's from Ireland. My husband's from Ireland. I've spent some time there. And so it was a place that I could pick that I could – Get a lot of the nuances right that I think mm-hmm. you couldn't really research. Even the the turns of phrase, you, you right. have to, I grew up hearing it, so it was easy for me to translate it onto the page. And also, I didn't want to do a lot of research. You know, I wanted something totally different from my day job. So that's why, and especially in paranormal, <laughs> people were like, "Oh, you must have really, really researched the paranormal." I was like, "No, I created my own world." I did do a little bit of research on the witch side of it because I actually went to the Witches Festival here on Long Island about three years ago, which was totally crazy. I, I dragged my sister. But that was like fun research. I won't do that. I was going to say, in, I bet that was library. so fun. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was. It was really, really fun. Um, but maybe you could tell us a little bit about what is drawing you to the interracial aspect. I mean, is it something in your own background or is it just something you're fascinated with because you know America is a melting pot and you see all these different cultures um especially living someplace like Miami you see a lot right. of the mesh and so is, is there is that really what drew you or was it something more personal
1: um it's it's a bit of both um i would say um first off that you know i have that social sciences background and i'm just really naturally interested in how cultures converge and and that sort of thing. So just the cultural aspect, the socioeconomics that you find with different demographics was the first thing that really drew me in. And I'm really interested in just the boundaries that people erect in groups and between groups and that kind of thing. So that's really what's at the heart of my writing. I just find that race is a really easy way to convey differences between people even if it's sort of artificial, because I tend to find that two people of different races that grow up in the same community and the same economic background have more in common than, you know, two people of the same race and different economic backgrounds. One is rich, one is poor. They have less in common. So I just really use race as that kind of obvious division that's easily conveyed there's also the other um, thing that's more personal for me. My um, my father was an immigrant, and my um, stepfather is an immigrant, and even though, you know, they're readily identified as African-American because they're Haitian-American, um, people don't really see the nuances of culture that take place, even amongst people that appear to be the same. African-Americans have very um, different cultural backgrounds, whether they're from the north or the south and that sort of thing. So I've seen the kind of competition of cultures that takes place in a family when that sort of intermarriage occurs. And so mm-hmm. that's the really personal aspect for me. So it's a bit of both would be the short answer.
0: Right, right. Well I you know, I, I think so much of our own family history really draws what we what we're attracted to in terms of writing. I know for me, I, you know, my my second book, uh, The House on Prospect, is very much a story of immigrants. You know, it's about three three generations of, of, of women. The first one was an Irish woman who came here, and she made some choices maybe she shouldn't have made, and those choices kind of trickled through the generations. And a lot of it is the clash of cultures and the yes. dislocation, I think, that happens. And I see, oh, you absolutely. Know, it, because even I think it takes a couple of generations before you really feel American, you know people look at me yeah. and and they would probably say, "I look you know as American as apple pie and a lot of in a lot of ways i don't feel I, I feel like as my my mother says she goes sometimes I feel like you're in the middle of the ocean, and i do you know i i especially not only my own you know my birth family, my father was American, my mother was Irish, but then I kind of replicated all that. In my own family, because I married someone who's from Ireland, and so I, I married an immigrant <laughs> who had a lot of, you know, again, even just the adjusting and 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 being pulled in two different directions, you know, mm-hmm. it's right. it's hard, you know, it's hard, and I th- I think um, and that's what I I think it's interesting to write about, and so yeah. um, i I I I kind of incorporate a lot of that dislocation in all of my books, my Devlin Legacy books, kind of switch, you know. Some of the some of the witches are from New York. Some of the witches live in Ireland. And again, there's a lot of back and forth, and how they, and and how do you go back? Like it, it's funny how you know, especially Irish Americans, really you know, and St. Patrick's Day and living in New York. You know, people really identify with the homeland. But it's very interesting right. when you go to Ireland how they view us. They don't necessarily see us as. They kind of call us plastic patties, right you know they they don't yeah. see us as I, I know exactly what, I know
1: exactly what you mean it's it's funny um I almost asked you if you were from Boston for a second. I remembered reading that you lived in New York because I actually grew up in Boston and moved to um Miami later. Miami's diverse but not nearly as diverse as you find as the type of um diversity you find in the northeastern cities like Boston and New York and Philadelphia and that kind of thing, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's always that kind of straddling of two worlds. You don't Mm -hmm. quite fit in either one when you're with the old culture and around the old culture. You're not quite there because you're too Americanized. But when um, you're around the the American culture, you're sort of exotic because – you're either the child of immigrants, or you know you have some sort of your, or your spouse is an immigrant, or that kind of thing. So it's always that kind of that fine balance, and you find that in 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 my books in particular, and I, it sounds like in yours too, with the the, the diversity that takes place there.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is so interesting. Uh, you know, a living in America, you you see these different. Divergent cultures, but I what I think is so interesting about books, and what I've always loved as a reader is you can dive into those worlds and experience that viewpoint just by opening a book. And so, right. you know, hopefully, by when people read my books, they can experience you know the right. Irish American experience, and 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 in your books, they can because you research, you can go kind of beyond your own culture and and right. you know see different viewpoints, and and that's that I think is is pretty neat. Now, in terms of your um, promotion. Do you think it helps you or hurts you to kind of focus on the interracial aspect? You know, are you trying to find a niche or are you trying to go for the broader audience?
1: Um, it probably hurts some um because you find that um people aren't as quick to um pick it up automatically. Um when you have two when you have a hero and a heroine that are both of the um single race, whatever that race may be, people are more used to seeing that so they're quicker to pick it up and mm-hmm. um people people have different opinions about um interracial romance but that doesn't bother me that I'm I'm fine with that I I feel like you know as time goes on and and life goes on people accept things more and more that they wouldn't have before you know it wasn't very long ago when um interracial marriage was illegal so mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we're 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 making progress in the right direction and when they pick up my books, they'll see that there's great writing, that it holds your attention, that it's interesting, that you're able to really explore um uh, different cultures, you know, whether that's what it's like to be in Miami or what it's like to be African American or Japanese American. I believe um you'll find that in those books, and you'll you'll find a lot of other things too they they're really really engaging, so I believe that you know the writing stands up on its own, and people will take note of that and do take note of that
0: mhm and it's it, but it's hard to to even in in terms of marketing you know you're you're told so many different things, like one school of thought is you should make it as, you know approachable and and attractive to a wide Audience, right. and then other times they say, you know, maybe it's better to specialize and to sell yourself in a certain way. And so right. it's it's almost like you know when you're ever you're you're writing across genres, you know, are you better? You know, my I think my books could be characterized as paranormal romance. They could be characterized as commercial fiction. They could be characterized as women's fiction. You know, like, but I kind of had to pick a label, and so they by picking that label maybe I've turned other people off, but um, you know, it's in in this publishing world, the the publishers and the readers sometimes want to know what bucket they should put this in, you know what I mean? And I think that's right, always the challenge right. of writers who want to touch on a lot of different things, you know.
1: Right. I mean but, we can't we can't get away from the labels. Um but at the same time I think that all books face that same problem that they can be categorized in any number of ways, particularly if it's written well. If you have um, a book that fits so neatly into a single genre and can hardly be considered anything else, I would question the length of that book and, um, you know, the value of it, perhaps. I think that the, um, the better books have that, you know, that main storyline, that plot, that subplot. They're going to have some depth to them, and they're going to fit and, you know, a number of categories, and it's really up to the author, I guess, or the publisher, whomever, to really have to prioritize where they're going to say it belongs and what they're going to put their money behind. Whether it's, in your case, paranormal romance, or in my case, interracial romance, or you know, whatever. Because the the Crimson Footprint series, for example, it's interracial romance, it's literary romance, it's women's fiction. Um, Some people call it um, suspense because of some of the things that that happen in the book. Um, I've even heard it called um, urban fiction, although I don't really think that it fits well into the urban fiction category. But, you know, whatever gets people to notice it and pick it up and read it, I'm okay with
0: Well, I think that, and again, I think you touched on something earlier was, you know the big publishers were saying, well, I don't, I don't know what to do with this, or she's a little too downcast, or she's not as uh, upbeat enough for a character. But your book right. found a home because the industry has really changed, and exactly. there's more room for for writing outside the box and crossing genres, and and maybe having a character who's not so, you know, I, I actually I think it's more interesting to to read about people who are. Are not shiny, happy people, right? <laughs> who, right. who had some right. tragedy in their life, or, or you know? I think that as, as a writer, it allows you to give your characters more depth. So, so exactly. you know, that's part of the brave exactly. new world that we're all in. Um, maybe you could tell me a little bit in terms of your steamy level of, of romance. How steamy are your books?
1: Um, I am not the sort of writer who um, kind of closes the door and backs away. I um, get into the um, love scenes. It's not um, graphic, but I would I would call it I would call it steamy. You definitely know what's going on and how long it's going on and that kind of thing. So yeah, I would I would <laughs> but definitely But certainly not call in the erotica.
0: Thing. Yeah, it's not in no. erotica. You wouldn't characterize it as erotica, right? No, because it sounds no, like you have too er- much of a plot going. Right, right. So just a little yeah. little steamy. Well, it's nice to you know to have that mix. And um, in terms of promotion, what have you done in terms of promotion?
1: Um, I've done book fairs, speaking engagements, blog tours, radio interviews like this one. Um, I've been in USA Today a few times, Um, you name it. (laughs) And um, between myself and my publisher, we've been there. So I do I do a variety of things. Oh, I do book giveaways also. So
0: Yes, well, one of the book giveaways is the Summer of Love uh, contest. Um, Shawanda's right. book, uh, Crimson Footprints 2, is actually being given away in the 4th of July drawing of the Summer of Love contest. And the way you can enter that and win that great book is by liking the Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page. Um, so Shawanda, maybe you could tell us a little bit about where we can find you online. I oh, have great, a website. Great.
1: right. um, the easiest way to find me online would be to um visit my author page on Amazon. You can find me just by typing in Shawanda Pew. I promise you there won't be two of us um <laughs> You can do that. you can go directly um to whatever Internet browser you're using and type in com. That will take you directly to my blog. And the um, you can read all of my back posts there. I have a bunch of lovely posts you can enjoy. You can also find me on Goodreads. I tend to have book giveaways, paperback giveaways there from time to time. There's nothing current right now. But every time I release a new book, I make sure I have a giveaway on Goodreads. You can also find me on Facebook, author Shawanda Pugh. You can find me twi- on Twitter, at Shawanda P. And um, I tend to follow back, so be sure to look me up.
0: Well, great. Well, th- again, Shawanda, you've been a wonderful guest, and this has just been so interesting. You know, you wouldn't have th- I wouldn't have thought, just reading your bio, that we would have had so much in common, but it sounds like in both <laughs> in terms you. of what we... Yes. Yeah, so see, that's what, but that's what I love about the show is that you know you reach out and and you hear about what inspires other people to write and and so you know and you meet people who you wouldn't normally meet. So uh, so I I really do appreciate you coming on the show and I hope I can maybe tempt you to come back again. I I, I think. Um, I have uh, interviews scheduled actually for the next few months, but I think starting next year, I want to start having shows about a certain theme. So maybe, um, you know, pairing authors and we could talk about, you know, um, and maybe interracial romances can be one of my shows. Um, so if I can tempt you to come back, I would love to do that. So again, Shawanda, thank you so much for, for joining my 20th show. And and actually, Nice Girls Reading Audiobooks has really it's become so much more than I thought it would be. I, I, I really, my first show was I uh, interviewed my sister as a lark, and it's kind of grown from there, and I've had some really great, great guests. So I would encourage everyone to check out some of the guests, some of the interviews with some of my guests in the archives. I've had Sarah Wendell of Smart Bitches Bitches, Trashy Books, um, the the very famous review site. She was my guest, as well as Jennifer Fusco of Market or Die um, Author Services. She had a really interesting perspective on how to build an author brand. Um, Also in the archives, you can find my interview with Renee Rocco, who is publisher of Lyrical Press, and also cover artist Valerie Tibbs of Tibbs Design, and many other wonderful authors. So you can find all of um, the links either on the Blog Talk Radio um, page, my page, under Bernadette Walsh, or you can go onto my website, uh, www.bernadettewalsh.com. I have all the links there, and also on Pinterest. On Nice Girls uh, Naughty Books, um, you, on that board, you can click and find all of the shows. So I would really encourage everyone to check out the, um, the past shows. Also, as I mentioned before, um, the Summer of Love contest is still going on. The next drawing is 4th of July, and I think I have 15 books to give away along with gift certificates. And all you need to do to enter is either like the Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page or follow the show on Blog Talk Radio. And to see all the beautiful covers, go on Pinterest under Bernadette Walsh, and then you'll see the Summer of Love boards. By liking and following, you will always be up to date with all of my shows and guests, and plus you might win some really great prizes, so please check that out. Also, wanted to remind everyone that um, the fourth book in The Devlin Legacy will be coming out, The Devlin Witch, that will be coming out in September, and that is the last book I promise of that series. So the first three books are out Devil's Daughter, uh, Devil's Mountain, Devil's Shore, and Devil's Daughter. So if you hurry up and read them, you'll be all ready for The Devil and Witch. And also, um, I wanted to remind everyone about Gold Coast Wives. That's my fun, fluffy beach read that is also available by Lyric, from, from Lyrical Press. So um, if you're sitting on the beach and you want something light and airy to read, uh, that's a perfect thing to check out. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for joining me on my 20th show. This is Bernadette Walsh from Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.